Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning, everybody. It is Thursday in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. My name is Adam Bittner, Assistant Sports Editor for Multimedia at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, joined for our weekly Zeiss is Right video by Not Paul Zeiss, joined by Noah Hiles. Zeiss is at the beach. Noah, how are you? I'm great. Do you want me to do my Zeiss impression for the whole show? Is that is that what we should do here or no? Um, I mean, if, if, if people, if people want it, I don't know. Is no, that, is that they don't want, want that. Here? They don't want that. And Paul doesn't want that. I don't want that. I was just kidding, but I'm, I'm happy to fill in for Paul. All right. Well, let's get into it. Noah. we're going to talk about some Steelers topics here at the top. We're going to talk about some JJ Watt because that's what a lot of Steelers fans are talking about. Um, we're also going to talk about the backyard brawl because you are our pit beat reporter. So we want to get your expertise out here on this video. But before we do that, just a quick shout out to, our sponsor for this episode of the podcast, Pella Windows and Doors of Pittsburgh. There's no better place to get new windows and doors installed in your home than Pella, who can help you save on energy costs year-round. Schedule a free in-home consultation with your local Pella Windows and Doors to find the right product for your home and budget. Give them a call at 866-593-1560 to discuss your project further. That's 866-593-1560 to get started planning on your new windows and doors installation with Pella Windows and Doors of Pittsburgh. Noah, everyone's talking about it on social media. Everyone's talking about it on the blogs. Um, our own Joe Starkey and Ron Cook have been talking about it, that J.J. Watt is out there. Cam Hayward is hurt. Shouldn't J.J. Watt just seamlessly go into the, the hole vacated by Cam Hayward? I was talking to Chris Carter before the North Shore Drive podcast yesterday. He is very dim on that possibility. Jerry Dulac dismissed it with less than a sentence today in his weekly chat. Um, where do you fall on this J.J. Watt talk, given that, um, you know, he hasn't he hasn't been doing any football activities at all, and I think that the window with Cam Hayward gone is not as long as people think it is? I'll say this. I hope it happens. I mean, because that's great for business, right? I mean, I, I think people from all over the country would be clicking on our articles, writing about J.J. Watt joining the Pittsburgh Steelers again if that were to happen. I think it would be a fun story. Um, and the reason it would be a fun story, Adam, is because it's simply not going to happen. So if it did happen, it would be cool. But I mean, this is a guy who has moved on from football. And, and I know that there have been superstars that have retired and made that claim just to come back a year or two after even retiring. But JJ, I mean, this is a guy, he owns a soccer team now. I mean, he, he's moved on. He's got a media career. He's got other ventures that he's more invested in than football right now. And I think that that's part of it. And another part of it is, Adam, I mean, the difference between 
a guy like Gronk coming back or Jason Witten coming back or quarterbacks coming back, they did not have the injury history that this dude did, especially toward the end of his career. I mean, it got to a point the last four or five years of J.J. Watt's career, he couldn't stay on the field. And while that's not going to cost him a gold jacket or anything, I do think that if he had stayed healthy, he'd be in the conversation as one of the best defensive players ever. But because he couldn't stay healthy toward the back end of his career, he's just, you know, a first ballot Hall of Famer, which shucks. <laughs> like, not a bad fallback thing. But in reality, I mean, this guy has torn all types of upper body muscles. I think he's had lower body problems as well. He had an irregular heartbeat last year. Like, after you retire having suffered something like that, I don't think you or your family would be very keen on the idea to just hop back on, you know, the bandwagon and start playing again. And so, sure, I bet you he, in theory, would love to play football because he loves the game. He's a beast. And when he's healthy, he still probably could be very, very good at it. But to get himself in a shape where he would want, where he would feel would, he would be adequate, um, I, I don't think he's willing to put that work in because why should he? He's already made enough money, Adam. He's already won every single award an individual could win at his position. The only thing that's really missing is a Super Bowl ring. And is he going to get that here? I, I don't know. Probably not. So it just seems like a big sacrifice for him to make for minimal money and minimal time. Eight weeks is not enough to e for him to even consider it. It's a fun narrative, but I don't see it happening. I, I'm assuming you feel the same way. Yeah, I think there's two reasons. I think the number one, you know, from a Steelers perspective is the ramp up time. I mean, look what happened with TJ Watt, him, right. his brother, when he came back last season. He wasn't himself for a few weeks. Um, you know, it, it took a little bit of time. JJ Watt hasn't been doing anything in the, for the entire offseason. So, you know, I think it'd be, you know, two, three, four weeks at the very minimum before you're even getting a player that's like reasonably close to what Cam Hayward was. And, you know, then then you're talking about when's Cam Hayward going to be back and, and then you're going to have what are we going to do with J.J. Watt? And, and I just think that that's that's too di difficult a timeline. If, if Cam Hayward was out for the season, maybe it's a different conversation for me because you'd have a whole season trying to get a guy for his spot. But, you know, just given the, I think, relatively compressed timeline, the only guys you should be talking about are guys who've been in camps this summer and, and could reasonably hop right back in there. Um, the other reason I, I, I'm not sure I'd, I'd love to see the Steelers go make that move is the guys that were replacing Cam Hayward or or that Steelers defensive line played pretty well against San Francisco. They got pretty, um, you know, solid pro football focus scores. I think they, they played better than most of the team did that day. And and I think there's hope for guys like Keanu Benton, DeMarvin Leal. Um, and, and those are the guys who the Steelers are, if they're going to win after the Cam Hayward era, those guys are going to have to play leading roles anyway. You know, I think you want to throw them in there and, and see what you've got with them um, rather than go out and get a guy like J.J. Watt, who is not part of this team's future. I mean, you that's a great point, Adam. I mean, if, if, if those aren't the guys you play in this situation, then why are you drafting them? Why are you signing them in free agency? Why are you going out of your way to acquire them? Because that's, that's the whole mentality of building depth at a position is when your best player goes down in that position, you're not going out and finding someone who hasn't practiced football in six months. You have, okay, we have a committee of other people 
who can together try to replicate that level of production. That's that's the point. That's why you go and draft someone at his position in the what whatever it was, third round, I think. And and you, you make those signings. That's the whole point of this. So I, I don't know. Yes, JJ Watt, a far sexier name than Isaiah Loudermilk or or Leao or Benton or any of them. But at the same time, I mean, you've got to let this roster have a chance to do what it's designed to do. And that's play off its depth. That's what we heard all preseason, right? They're a much deeper team. They're a much bigger team. They're a much stronger team. Well, if that's the case, then one injury, even if it is the Cam Hayward, who I'm not trying to undersell how important he is here, but you got to give it a chance to show that depth. Otherwise, I mean, what, what are you spending that money on for? Why are you wasting a draft pick on that position for if they can't step in and, and hold down the fort for six to eight weeks. Is there anyone, I mean, through that lens now, is there anyone who interests you uh, that's out there? The real, the only real name that I saw that I said, oh, maybe they should look at him would be Carlos Dunlap, uh, former Bengals um, defensive lineman. He's, he's put up some solid numbers. Um, you know, I think he still wants to be in the game. I, but I still, t- I still tend to think, yeah, let's, let's, let's see what the guys, the Steelers have, look like for a couple of weeks before we, we get to that point? I'm going to be honest. I haven't put a lot of stock into it because that's not what you're supposed to do, I think. I, I think that especially in week two where you have so many guys who are new to this team and haven't had a chance to really prove themselves, they, they're, they're owed that opportunity. If you want to go get a veteran guy like Dunlap or whatever, um, they should come in as a backup, maybe even like a practice squad thing, and you just sit, have them sit there and waiting and say, hey, you know, there are going to be other guys who are going to get their opportunity first because – they spent all summer learning this system. They proved enough in the preseason to make the team and put themselves at a spot on the depth chart where if there's one injury that occurs, they're next man up. And you don't get to just jump them because you were good five, ten years ago. So I think that, that that's where I'm at with it. I'm not – the big name who isn't in football has never really been an appealing thing for me in any injury situation because there's a reason they're not in football. So – that that's where I kind of stand on that. Similar feeling with the receivers, uh, Noah, because there's there's some interesting names out there. Kenny Galladay um, is out there. Julio Jones is another name that people like. Jarvis Landry, uh, a receiver Steelers fans are familiar with from his days with the Browns. Is is the Deontay Johnson injury window wide enough? I think this is a similar question with JJ Watt that, that you'd want to see them bring in someone from the outside to fill that. Um, I say no, but I, I, I'm imagining you feel a similar way. Yeah, it's four weeks. I mean, what are we talking about here? In four, I mean, four weeks. That's that's not a. By the time, and you talk about ramp up time. I mean, you'd like to assume that some of those guys that you mentioned who were in the league last year and were contributors last year are in decent shape. But does that mean they're going to know the playbook? Does that mean they're going to be able? I mean, we saw Kenny Pickett have struggles with chemistry with guys he's been throwing to. For over a year now. So are we just to assume that Julio Jones is going to walk through the door and fix everything? Look, like not, that's not how it works. I will say one name I am for, Terrell Owens was at the practice facility yesterday. I have no idea why he was there. Um, but just as a kid who grew up watching T.O., had a poster of him on my wall, wouldn't hate that for four weeks. Um, but aside from that, in all seriousness, no. They do not sign a guy who is already in the Pro Football Hall of Fame because he's been out of the game for so long. But 
Um, no, again, this is why you have five, six roster receivers on your roster. It's because when you lose one, the next man steps up. And you heard all about Calvin Austin this this preseason and how he's going to be a difference maker. This is your opportunity. And you never know, Adam. I mean, sometimes a guy goes down and someone else steps up. That's how guys like Emmanuel Sanders and Antonio Brown and and other players earned their opportunities and went on to have really good careers. Is because they were in a stacked wide receiver room. Dudes went down. Dudes left because of free agency. They came in. They plugged them in, and they made plays. And I'm not saying Calvin Austin's the next one of those guys, but he could be. Who knows? He he needs his opportunity. And that and again, that's why you have a depth chart. You don't just draft guys just to have them there as a backup, only to you know go out and sign someone who's 34 years old the second someone that's in the starting lineup goes down. They're there for a reason. They should know the system. They should be ready to make a play. And especially at a spot like wide receiver, I mean, come on. This this is a no-brainer. There's no chance that you, they should even consider bringing in a vet for four weeks. Yeah, and, and you know what? I want to see I want to see George Pickens and Calvin Austin do it. I, I, we sit, Paul and I spend a lot of time on this show talking about the Steelers receivers. Everyone in the comments tells us how great the Steelers receivers are. I think me and Paul are a little dubious on that, but this is a chance to prove it. This is a chance for for you know George Pickens to go out there as the Steelers number one and and show people what he can do. Right? right. This is a chance, like you said, for Calvin Austin, who we've talked about as you know the the great game changer here for the Steelers, um, you know, receiving core to to get some opportunities on the outside, not just be in the slot, not just be using the speed that way. Um, I want to see what these guys can do because if they can't do it, Noah, and if we're sitting here a month from now and the, we're talking about how bad the Steelers receivers are without Deontay Johnson, then then there's got to be some serious questions asked going into next offseason. So, um, you know, do you want to do everything you can to win games? Absolutely. You know, I, I, I get that, especially because you're going to have this window against some teams the Steelers should beat now that you've got the 49ers behind you. But, um, but I think that's even just more reason to say, well, if you can't beat those teams with the guys you've got, then you've got bigger problems than can be fixed by, you know, a band-aid receiver who's going to come in here for one season. You got Allen Robinson for this type of yes. thing, I think. Yes. And and that's that's the solution. And and I don't think you want to keep adding more Allen Robinsons because you're just you're just duplicating the same thing. I think that that group of three needs to show that that the faith people put in them was was warranted in the offseason. That I, while you were talking in the beginning, I, I wrote down Allen Robinson is this player, this 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 veteran who was really good a couple years ago, and you're kicking the tires to see if he still got something. The Steelers already picked one of those guys up, and he had a couple catches on Sunday. I think he had like four or five actually. So yes, you already have that. You already have that in Allen Robinson. That's that's all you should need. So there you go, right there. You between Robinson, Austin, Pickens. You know, your tight end room, you should be able to get the job done and hold down the fort until Johnson's back. Yeah, I think we're on the same page there, Noah. Um, let's get into the backyard brawl. I'm excited to talk about it with you. This is a big college football week in Pittsburgh. Uh, but before we do, just want to mention a couple of our sponsors here in the mid-roll. Um, Goldberg, Persky, and White. If you were diagnosed with mesothelioma or lung cancer, call your local attorneys at Goldberg, Persky, and White for over 40 years. Their firm has represented thousands of lung cancer and mesothelioma victims. Call 1-800-COMPLEX or visit gpwlaw.com 
for your free consultation. Also want to mention Propel Schools. Propel's 13 public charter schools in Allegheny County build a solid academic foundation for lifelong learning and offer more personalized instruction at every level during your child's kindergarten through 12th grade education journey. Give your children the quality education they deserve. Learn more and apply to Propel Schools by visiting propelschools.org. All right, no, let's 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 talk about some brawl. I want to first talk about the booze this past week. They've been a topic that Phil Dracovic has talked about, that Pat Narduzzi has talked about. Um, there's been some angst there that they got booed at home while losing to Cincinnati. Um, you know, it wasn't it was an ugly game for Phil Dracovic. I get it from a fan perspective, um, but it, it seems like it's rankled them. How does that make you feel about this team going down to Morgantown, where you know? I don't know if Morgantown's got the juice for everyone these days, but they definitely will still have it for Pitt. Yeah. Well, I will say this, Adam, on that note, it's different to get booed by your home crowd than the away team, you know, by, by the away crowd. And, and you, you expect that in Morgantown. Like I don't, I don't see that really phasing them because you would expect that kind of atmosphere there. Um, But I I think that Phil was just kind of caught in his emotions and, said something he probably shouldn't have said. And there are a lot of people who actually, I think, agree that you shouldn't boo at games. But I think there are more people who are of the frame of mind that, hey, I paid for my ticket. If I'm disappointed, I'm going to let you know. And, I mean, we talked about this on In the Trenches with with Jake Cradle and Gavin Bartholomew, two of his teammates. And they were uh, on that wave of, hey, you know, people are going to boo sometimes. That just is what it is. Kenny Pickett got booed at Pitt at times. You know, Keaton Slovis certainly did. A lot of people did. And and it's more of a booing of the entire offense than one guy, I think. So I don't see that that being a like, sure, West Virginia is going to be all over Pitt. Those fans are going to be crazy. But that was going to happen before or after Phil made those comments. So I, I don't see that playing a huge factor. Um, But it, it is just, I think, a little concerning if you're Pitt that after one loss, those comments are even being made by one player, especially your quarterback. That's got to be something to worry about. You know, how, how, how can he handle it if, if things are going crazy? And, you know, you, you might expect a younger player to make a comment like that. This is a guy who's a sixth-year senior. And, and while I'm not going to judge him too hard for it, I, especially because it's, it's week two and they're more than able to turn things around here, but – I think that yeah, if you're if you're Pat Narduzzi, if you're a Pitt fan, if you're one of Dracovic's teammates, you probably like to see a little bit more composure there, and uh, maybe less of a just keeping it real type answer. Because I mean that's that's a tough that's a tough thing to add a little bit more of a target on your back heading into a crazy week. Not only do you have West Virginia fans that are coming after you, you feel the pressure from your own team's fans, which is it's a lot to handle. What level of patience do you think Pitt should have with Phil Dracovic? You know, you mentioned there's still a long way to go. You still have the ACC clean slate in front of you. But if he struggles, you know, in this in this West Virginia game and you're one and two with your only win over Wofford um, and you still have designs on doing something this season, how long do you do you stick with this guy? Is, is it a matter of do you stick as long as you did with Keaton Slovis last season? Or do you want to see some of these guys that are, that are Pitt guys that have, you know, or that are the future of the program in Christian Veyer's um, case, do you want to, do you want to see them get a chance in games that matter before the season is, is more or less lost? I think you got to wait till the season's lost, honestly, Adam. And, and it's just because Veyer is the future 
here in Pittsburgh, I think. I think this is the guy who's going to start next year. And if you trot him out there too early when things aren't clicking, you you possibly set him up to have a target on his back when he is the official guy in 2024. And, and you don't want to add any unneeded pressure possibly before he's ready. This is a guy who's new to the offense. And it's I'm not going to sit here and say Penn State's you know, a, what was, what was the term Narduzzi used? A one word offense. Like he told me uh, over the summer there, but I mean, you can argue which offense is more difficult to learn, but the reality is it's just a new offense. So it's going to be hard for him to learn. He's still building chemistry with all of these guys. And I think when there's struggle going on, you're going to lean on the more experienced guy. You're going to lean on the guy who's more familiar with the playbook. And even if that guy's not making plays now, you're going to give him probably more of the benefit of the doubt just because he's the the safer option where there's there's more that can go wrong if you trot out Christian there. You're not only screwing up this season, but you could also screw up next year if things go south. So that's why I think they'll stick with Phil. This isn't a situation. A lot of people, and I think Phil got a lot of crap for his bad play in week two because fans still have – they're still – licking their wounds from the Keaton Slovis stuff that happened last year. They, they don't want to see another season of potential go down the drain because of bad quarterback play. That was a team that probably should have won 10 games last year, but they only won nine after a bowl game because their quarterback play was bad. And, and they look around the roster, there's talent at other positions again, and they're thinking, are we going to be held back by another quarterback? But it's only week two. He can turn that around. Dracovic was bad, but... So was the offensive line. So was his primary target, Bub Means, who was thrown to 11 times and didn't have one reception. That can't all be on Phil Dracovic. It just can't be. The defense allowed 100 rushing yards in the first quarter. There, there are a lot of factors, and I'm not excusing Dracovic. I'm just saying that I think if Keaton Slovis wasn't the quarterback on this team last year, fans wouldn't have been nearly as hard on him, uh, on him because they just were told all offseason, this is going to be better, this is going to be better. And it wasn't better on Saturday. But I think he deserves a couple of chances. I don't think they should even really consider. Unless if it's so bad, where if he continues only completing 30%, then maybe you got to think about it. But until it gets to that point, I think you got to ride out your vet. Just because, I don't know. I just think it's the safer thing. There's not a Nick Patty on this team who's been around for five years and and knows the team. The, The guy you're going to would either be Nate Yarnell, who's played one game in his career against Western Michigan or Christian Veyer, who's played one game against Rutgers for a completely different team. So it just, you don't have that solid backup option. There's potential in that quarterback room to be great in the future, but I don't think either of those guys are going to are ready to come in and kind of light it up and make this team a lot better. Obviously, Pitt fans are going to want to win this game because it's a rivalry yeah. game. But let's talk in the big picture and, and looking toward ACC play. How important is is a win this week? Or it, let's say you win. Let's say you lose a, a close game like last season at Heinz Field. It, it's a similar style game that you had to the backyard brawl last season. You lose that game, but but there's some good things you can take away with it going into conference play. Um, is that an acceptable outcome for you, Noah? Or does this team need to go down there and win? Adam. Waiting for Pittsburgh next weekend at Acrisure Stadium is Drake May and the North Carolina Tar Heels. There's not many teams in the country who welcome that challenge. I mean, that's that's a future first-round quarterback with a really with an 
far improved defense, a defense that I thought was going to be a lot better, at least how they looked in week one against South Carolina. I don't know what happened against App State, but they seem to do that every year against the Tar Heels. Nonetheless, they have one of their toughest games of the year in week four. You cannot go into that game at one and two with losses to two of your probably biggest rivals on your schedule. That's, that's, that is entering very scary waters because, you know, you go into that North Carolina game, one and two, they're probably going to be an underdog in that one. They lose that one. Well, now you're one and three and you're heading to Blacksburg, which is a tough place to play for anyone. And even though that team's not really good at one and three, what's going through the minds of your players, you're really risking an absolute bottom falling out in the season here. This is a must win game, in my opinion, for Pitt. And it's crazy to say that in week three, but when you just look at everything on the line here for Pitt, this is a team that was expected to win eight, nine games. This is a team, you look at Clemson, Clemson's not the same as it used to be. This ACC conference is wide open this year. I think it's Florida State is the clear favorite, but that second spot in the ACC title game, it could go to Duke. It could go to Miami. It could go to North Carolina. It could go to Clemson. It could go to Pitt. It could go go to Louisville. There, there's a whole bunch of teams that are, I think, capable of getting that second spot right now. And while a loss to WVU doesn't necessarily hurt your spot in the conference standings, you don't want to be one and two heading into ACC play. You just, you just, you can't have that happening. You got to win. If you lose, you give West Virginia the bragging rights back. I think West Virginia gained some much-needed momentum for recruitment, uh, and they're going after a lot of the same guys that Pitt's going after, so you can't lose that. And, um, yeah, it's and it's it's just a bad loss on your schedule. Cincinnati, I think, will end up being a 7-8 win team. I think that there's a chance we'll get to the end of the year and we'll look back and say, you know, that loss wasn't so bad. That was a decent team. Um I don't know if you'll be able to say that about West Virginia this year. I don't think it's that good of a football team. And while it's a rivalry game and it's on the road, if you're going to be as good of a team as Pitt believes it is, you can't lose that game. You just can't. How concerned are you about this West Virginia running game specifically? Um, you know, I got an up close look at them in Happy Valley a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, Penn State's a little soft on the interior, and it felt like they kind of took advantage of that. Penn State was in charge the whole game because Penn State's a good team, um, but but it wasn't kind of the clinic I think a lot of Penn State fans were hoping for, and that's because West Virginia was able to run the ball, was able to move forward. Um, and we saw Pitt, you know, not necessarily stop the run this past week against Cincinnati. So what's is that the biggest threat you see to Pitt? How do you think that they match up there? Oh, it's absolutely the biggest threat. And, well, I, I do think that, at the end of the day, Pitt's run defense is going to figure itself out. Um, they struggled against the run last year, early in the season. West Virginia ran for a lot of yards against them. Um, Tennessee did too, but eventually they, they, they buckled down and became the defense that they're supposed to be. But that, that come-to-Jesus moment needs to occur before you step foot at Mount, on Mountaineer Field. Because if, if you allow the home team to run the football in a matchup like that, you're 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 treading in, in 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 mucky waters at that point. It's 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 getting real risky, and I, I do think that that's that's the best thing that this team does is run the football. They're a physical run team. I think a a lot of the things that Cincinnati does well, West Virginia also does well. They establish the run well. They have a great front seven. They they get after the quarterback. I think they're pretty strong up front, and those are two areas that Pitt needs to really 
be solid against, especially early on, because you don't want to be playing from behind in that building. After struggling in the past, after knowing what the crowd and how loud it's going to be, you don't want to fall behind 10-0, 14 nothing in that building. You can't, and especially if they're going to be able to run the ball and keep control of the clock. You've got to shut that down, and you've got to shut it down early. That's going to be the big the big thing here is if you can win the battle in the trenches on both sides of the football, you're going to be able to win that game. And that goes for both teams. Neil Brown's already said this week he wants this game happening every year. Um, I think this is what the the second and eight scheduled meetings between Pitt and West yep. Virginia over the next you know decade. Um, but there is a three year gap there, and there's no assurances of anything beyond that. Where do you land on on that question? Um, Noah, is, is, have they found the right solution here where you're keeping the game as a regular thing, but you still have the flexibility to go out and play, you know, some interesting teams, some Tennessee's of the world, um, in West Virginia's case, you can go play Penn state. You can, you can go see some other teams, but also still have that rival, you know, relatively close. Or do you think it needs to be an every year type of thing? I mean, I think it should be. And I think that they're trying to take steps to make it that, um, I'll say this. I mean, Pat Narduzzi wants to play his rivals. He went out of his way to put Cincinnati on the schedule. You know, he clearly goes out of his way to talk about your alma mater, <laughs> about every chance he gets at him. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I really do think that this is a rivalry where both teams want to play. And that doesn't just stem from players in the locker room. I think the coaching staffs want this. I think the administrations want this. I mean, and how could you not? You look at that first game in 12 years or whatever it was last September. And while, you know, if you're a West Virginia fan, you didn't leave the stadium that night feeling too great. Prior to that one play, I mean, that was an excellent experience for everyone involved, including the people who covered it like me. That's why you love college sports. It's a week one game. It has really nothing to do with your overall season outlook as you could go on and win your conference and do whatever. But man, how many people were invested in that, the buildup, the the passion on the field and the stands, that, that's what you want to sign up for. And I think that Pitt and West Virginia both recognize that. They don't want to let this rivalry go away. And I, and I think it's smart because in this era of college football where we're kind of getting away from that a little bit, um, and sure, like new rivalries might be built through these new conferences. And, and I hope that does happen. But I think you still need to, on a sport that's so heavy on tradition, to keep whatever tradition you can. And if that means only playing this game seven out of 10 times a decade, then then so be it. But you got to play it more often than not. And there seems to be that focus there. I certainly hope that um, continues to exist. I know that it's also important to play other teams that, you know, Pitt and West Virginia, they're not going to be a team that if you beat them, you're going to be able to brag about that when making a case to be in the 12 team playoff, probably not anyway. Um, But I think they're still going to have a chance to, to play those teams in conference play. And I think that you should be able to get at least one of those other good opponents. I know Pitt's going to be playing Wisconsin in a home and home in a couple seasons from now, West Virginia, like you said, they they're doing it against Penn state right now. Pitt's had Tennessee on its schedule or Cincinnati, who was a playoff team not long ago. So you're able to, to check all the other boxes, but I think at the end of the day, the most important box is keeping this rivalry game alive because when you're a team like Pitt or West Virginia, the playoff most years kind of kind of going to be out of reach. You got to give your fans something to look forward to aside from a bowl game in the final week of December. This is that, this is that thing. 
this is the Super Bowl for West Virginia this year for a team that's probably only going to win five, six games. If they win this game Saturday, it's going to be something that they talk about forever. Kind of like how Pitt fans are going to talk about last year's brawl forever. While they went on to win nine games, they had a great victory in the Sun Bowl. That MJ Devonshire pick six is going to be the defining moment of that season. And it's going to be, I don't know what Pat Narduzzi is going to go on to achieve in Pittsburgh, but that's going to be one of the iconic moments of his tenure in Pittsburgh. Well, you know what I'll say about this too, Noah, is what happened in that game last season? It was, other than the Penn State-Purdue game, it was the only game on the schedule. And I thought that was a great night. It put local football front and center for a national audience. If you had split screens in their basement like I do, you were able to watch both. And that was it. That was the whole game that night. And I thought that was a great, I thought that was a great stage for the brawl last season. And I think it's, look down the slate this week. There's no bigger game, I think on this slate because I do our weekly betting guide and I try to put together the most interesting games. I think people are going to want to bet on. There's a couple sec games. I'm sure people in sec country care about that more than the brawl, but on a national level and name brand, you know, rivalry, there's nothing better on this week's slate. And I think that is something that's very valuable to Pitt and West Virginia is, is if they go play other teams, I don't know that the game is, is nearly as important as that you can label it the backyard brawl. You can put it in prime time. And the whole country knows oh, maybe they're not the best teams in the world, but this is a rivalry game we're going to watch with the absence of, of better matchups. I think that's a really important thing for, for kind of building both programs. And I think it's great to have it, like you said, early in the year, because are you going to watch the backyard brawl over Ohio State, Michigan? No, you're not going to watch it over the Iron Bowl either. But you, you see it with a couple of teams like Florida and Tennessee they don't have the opportunity to play that rivalry game late in the season. They always play in week two or week three. And I love that. I always watch that game. That's the only other game that I have even a remote interest of tuning into this weekend. And it's because it's another good historic rivalry matchup. And Pitt, West Virginia, I think can be pretty much the Northern version of Florida, Tennessee, where, you know, early in the season, week one, you're going to get a whole bunch of, you're going to get like one or two ranked on ranked opponents. You're going to get that in week two as well. Week three, you might have some of that, but week three typically is your final matchup before conference play. You like to kind of just schedule a game that gets you all in the, uh, you know, firing on all cylinders, but you can count on college football having just a couple of rivalry games there. And if Pitt West Virginia could be like a staple, that early season rivalry staple like Florida, Tennessee, I'm all for it. Sign me up. Any final thoughts, Noah, before we sign off this week? Not really. I mean, I, I will say my I guess my final thought would be I wish that there was a little bit more hype for the brawl this week. And and I, I only have last year to compare it to because that's the only uh, one that I've been in the media for since the, prior to that. I was in high school when all these game, games were being played. Um, and I knew that this year was going to lack that hype simply because last year was the perfect storm. It was before the Steelers season started. It was in Pittsburgh, it was week one, and it was kind of the sole focus for everything going on, not only in Pittsburgh sports, but in college football, really. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I really hope that in the next, like today, tomorrow, that hype starts to build because this is a great rivalry. I know the teams are both one and one, and Pitt's coming off a really disappointing loss, but it's still an awesome game, and I hope people get excited for it because they should be. 
Well, and I'll say this, though. I think the college football fans are excited. I think yeah. sometimes it's the casual interest. And, and that was a frustration I had when Pitt and Penn State were back is, is, you know, I as a college football fan watched a game that I wanted to talk about for the next 10 days. But you moved on to the Steelers the next morning. Yep. Uh, at least with the brawl, we, we're going to have Sunday this week because the Steelers don't play until Monday. So um, hopefully, hopefully once the game happens, then we get a little chatter after at least two uh, because you're not going to have the Steelers kind of sucking up all the oxygen in the room. Yep. Um, but thanks for joining me this week, Noah. It was really great to have a conversation with you. I love our opportunities um, to get to chat because we don't always get to do it here on the, right. the YouTube channel. Uh, but Paul Zeiss will be back next week, everyone. And please uh, make sure you're signed up, subscribed, like the videos, everything, so you um, can see the North Shore Drive on Friday with Christopher Carter. Um, he'll have Brian Backo on previewing uh, Monday Night Football against the Browns. Um, all right, that's all I got for you, Noah. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Adam. Thank you for checking out this content from Post-Gazette Sports. If you enjoyed the video, please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Check out our Apple Podcast channel for more podcast content. Click below for a special deal of 99 cents for a three-month subscription to the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette.